I want to walk you through how I handle serving my kids least favorite meal because the reality is it's something that my husband and I enjoy. And I know from talking with so many of you, you have a lot of meals you and your husband likely enjoy as well that you feel intimidated or an overall sense of defeat even offering your kids because you know they're not going to eat anything from it. So if this sounds like a familiar struggle that you face and that is limiting the meal ideas that you feel like you have your family's buy-in and permission, if you will, to even put on the meal plan, I want you to really tune into this episode because I'm going to give you a step-by-step through how I handled this in my own home with my own three kids, none of whom are extremely adventurous eaters. But as with any kid, there's going to be menu items that are adults' favorites and not the kids, or some family members' favorites and not others. And we need to have an approach that can span any menu idea and instead give us a feeding environment that fosters a positive, pressure-free, and playful feeding approach. Hey mama, I'm Ashley and welcome to the Veggies and Virtue podcast. In this podcast, you will find simple menu ideas, kitchen organizational systems spelled out for mom life and feeding tips and tricks that are both evidence-based and grace-laced. I believe that you can find flexibility when it comes to feeding your family so that you can feel calm, capable, and connected in the kitchen. As a registered dietitian and Christian mom of three myself, I want you to break free from the mealtime battles and to feel equipped while feeding your kids all day long. Pull up a stool at my kitchen counter and let me pour you a cup of coffee and say a quick prayer for you. It's time to chat about the mealtimes, messes, moments, and ministry of motherhood. Before we get into the content of today's episode, I first want to give you the opportunity to sign up for the next enrollment period for my Mealtimes Made Easy method. This is one that I open periodically so that I can really pour into the families that are invested in the program and involved in the program and so that I can help families pace themselves through the progress so that within 60 to 90 days, they can be experiencing a real transformation in how they're feeding their family. And so if you want to be on the wait list to find out more about my Mealtimes Made Easy method or to learn when the doors are open to the program and I am accepting new enrollment, please go to veggiesandvirtue.com forward slash waitlist. You can just add your email there and I will be sure to contact you about any and all upcoming information about the program, when enrollment opens, any of the fast action bonuses and early bird discounts. So again, for more information, go to veggiesandvirtue.com forward slash waitlist and I'll be sure to send it all over to you just so that you can kind of mentally be planning and be looking at if this is an investment that you might be interested in. It will be launching early June of this summer. So a month and a half or so away still, but want to go ahead and make sure those who are interested in it can perfectly start considering if this might be the next step that they want to take for their family so that again, I can come right alongside you, be that expert in your pocket, but also at your table with you to give you advice along the way and a lot of tried and true expertise on how you can transform your family's feeding environment. So one of the reasons I start out with making sure that anyone is on the wait list who wants to be is because we're going to be walking through one of the four-step processes that I share within my Mealtimes Made Easy method. In short, it's a course that has four phases and each phase has four steps. So I'm obviously not gonna be able to go into a deep dive because there's a lot of content covered within each phase and each sub-step, but I wanna just do a high-level overview of what this looks like in real life. Because what I'm gonna be sharing with you today is from the fourth and final phase of my Mealtimes Made Easy method, So again, lots of content has already been covered. I've already taught families a lot of different information that they've been able to implement and take action on within their homes. 
But this is kind of that last step of putting all the pieces together. Because I know so often as parents and especially as people who are trying to help our kids have a healthy relationship with food, it can feel like we're just collecting a lot of different puzzle pieces and we don't necessarily know how to put them all together. And we don't really understand, is there a process or is there an order? Is there any sort of organization to how I do this effectively? And I know that firsthand as a mom, because even with all the education I'd had as a dietitian and through grad school and through my internship and through an additional fellowship in pediatrics and working at a children's hospital, I still felt really confused on how to put this giant box of puzzle pieces together. And that was with me having what I really do see as all the puzzle pieces. But it was so confusing to me to understand how did I dress my firstborn and then my secondborn and my thirdborn's picky eating habits when I knew all the right things to do, but I didn't necessarily from a real life approach and perspective understand how all the pieces fit together so that it did made sense so that it did add a sense of order to our routine and our flow as it came to feeding, and so that it added peace to our table and to our feeding environment. So today I wanna walk you through those four steps as it applies to offering my kids one of their least favorite meals. I'm sure you can come up with one that your kids have that you know your husband and you enjoy, and your kids are not gonna have anything at the table that they would typically enjoy. And so that's where I want to go through these four steps and help you see how you can still offer these menu items to your family and how the approach will make that go further so that you can begin to add variety and you can begin to expand the number of items on your weekly meal plan so that you're not just having to repeat the same few weeknight menu ideas, but instead you can begin to branch out and feel some comfort and also confidence in how to do so. So the first step in this process is something that hopefully many of you are familiar with, and that's my Love It, Like It, Learning It framework. The foundation to making a family meal pleasing for everyone is to make sure that there's always something preferred available for everyone at the table. So while your and your husband's favorite meal may be predominantly non-preferred foods by your kids, that's okay. Put them in the learning it category because they are still learning to like those foods. That does not blacklist them from being offered those foods or exposed to those foods. That simply means that they are learning to like them and your anticipation or expectation that your child is actually going to eat those foods at a given meal should honestly be pretty low. So because that's where this meal in my house was starting from, I'm gonna give you really specific examples, but I want you to walk through this exercise on your own with a meal that comes to mind for you and your family or maybe one that you and your husband really enjoy. In our home, it tends to be really anything that's Thai or Chinese or stir fry or anything Asian that's basically a protein and some sort of sauteed or stir fried veggies and rice typically. That I would say pretty historically and pretty consistently, even across all three kids, is my kids' least favorite meal. Even when we order Chinese takeout or we go out to Thai, it's just not their favorite. And that's okay because I have people asking me all the time, isn't it okay for our kids to just not like certain things? Yes, it is. But what we need to make sure is that in approaching family meals that we're conscious to the way the meal is impacting the environment. Because while so much of the meal is about more than just the food itself, if the parent is approaching the meal with a stress or a level of anxiety over if and how much their child is going to eat, 
or if the child is approaching the meal with a level of stress and anxiety over being pressured to eat a certain amount, especially of the foods that they don't enjoy and they don't prefer, it is going to derail everything. And so again, that's something I walk through in depth in all of the phases of my Mealtimes Made Easy method. But that's why as we go through this process and families are encouraged to put all this together, they see how this first step of making their child's love it, like it, learning it list, and then applying it to the to things like family meals can really set the foundation for everything moving forward. So as we look at this specific menu with my family, on this particular night, I knew that we had a Thai coconut curry, like pre-made sauce packet in the pantry that I wanted to use up. I knew that we had some chicken thighs that I was going to go ahead and make half for this given night and half for another night. And then I knew we had a lot of veggies that would make a great stir fry. And then we always have rice in the pantry as well. So very easily, I saw that this is going to be a chicken stir fry with Thai coconut curry and rice, something my husband and I love, something that my kids are learning to like. And so how I approach this is basically recognizing where does rice fall for my kids in terms of is it a love it, a like it, or a learning it food? Where do these stir fried veggies fall? Where does this Thai coconut curry sauce fall? And where does the chicken fall? And so first and foremost, I went through that process and organized it accordingly. Now I have three kids, they each have their own unique feeding preferences as with most families. And so I know that while some kids like rice, some kids like chicken, very few of my kids really enjoy stir fried veggies. I had very minimal like it food, but I definitely didn't have any love it foods from just those things. Automatically, that tells me I need to add something to the meal or swap something in the meal so that I have preferred food available for everyone at the table. So in this given meal, what I did was I also, I cooked the rice and bone broth so that I knew that the kids who are only going to eat the rice and may not eat much of the chicken would still have that added protein. Then because I was already standing at the stove, I also decided to make some of those like ramen rice noodles and have that available because I knew that that would kind of hit on the love it foods for the children who didn't like the rice. And then third, I knew that my son and I had just made Rice Krispie treats. I knew that whether I offered them or not, my kids were gonna ask if we were having them for dessert. So as I walk families through within Mealtimes Made Easy Method and how to incorporate things like desserts into a well-balanced diet for our kids, I went ahead and included those with dinner. And I chose a preferred drink like milk for my kids. So here they had Rice Krispie treat and milk as their love it food. They had a rice or a rice noodle and or chicken as their like it food and the stir fried veggies were their learning it food. And furthermore, to take this just a step further, I also knew that if I omitted the Thai coconut curry sauce from the stir fried veggies and chicken, my kids may respond better to it. And so I went ahead and left some of the chicken. I took some of the chicken out before I added all the sauce in, took some of the veggies out so that there was the option of plain or not plain. So that's kind of how I went about coming up with my Love It, Like It, Learning It framework for this specific meal to help it go over better with my kids and yet without necessarily making something entirely separate for them. And for me, I'm always asking myself, are these things that my husband and I will eat if there's added leftovers. So the concern over food waste is not really an issue to me because I know that whether it be the extra rice or noodles or stir fry or chicken or whatever it might be, my husband and I will gladly have that for lunch the next day. 
It's not a food waste issue. And thus I can really focus on fostering the eating behaviors we want in our kids and less on how much quantity wise are they actually eating. So that is step one is figuring out how the love it, like it learning it framework fits with the given menu options and how you might need to tweak it and tailor it so that there's a preferred food for everyone available. The second step is thinking about how much time do you even have to prep this meal? Because on this given night, I knew that it was going to require more active cooking than many of the menu items that I offer my family. And so because this was one of the few nights that I knew I would actually be home and I would have the time to prep something like a stir fry with fresh veggies, cook the chicken, make the rice, and do all these different steps and actually be standing there at the stove, I knew that it was going to be a night that I actually had the time to do it. So on this specific night, my husband had taken our oldest to soccer practice and my middle and my youngest were at home. And so I had a little bit more margin and I knew something like this worked for us. That said, when I go through this step within the Mealtimes Made Easy method, I highlight a lot of the different considerations that we as busy moms need to consider in order to really find a sustainable approach to meal planning, meal prep, and meal times. Because so often we can overcommit and underestimate in our energy and the time that we actually have available for dinner. So this meal would not have panned out this way if I had done it on one of the busy nights where I was in and out shuffling kids to activities and needing something ready within 10 minutes from getting home. So this was not that night. So just make sure that if you're comparing my apples to your oranges, be realistic with what time you actually have as your boundaries for what you can do, because that really is going to impact every one of the next step. Now, piggybacking on step two is the different approaches I used to engage my kids in the steps to eating process or rather food play. So this does piggyback on the time that we had, because again, this was a night that I wasn't rushed to cook. I wasn't rushed to, you know, get my kids to eat really quick through the meal. There was no pressure once we were at the table. And so because of this, I was able to work through some of the steps to eating approaches for food play and just food exploration with my kids that often aren't possible on the nights that we don't have quite as much time. So on this given night, my son was in the kitchen with me and he was able to help me wash the produce. We had his kids safe knives, which I'll link in the show notes. And he was able to use the crinkle cutter or the nylon knife to help me cut the celery and the carrots and the peas. Because I had the time and I wasn't multitasking the meal, we were able to take that time to play with the pea pods and to count which one had more peas inside and to just engage with them and pop them out and compare and contrast them because they were the vegetable that had to stay out of the pot the longest. And I was able to take that time to be proactive about exposing him to a learning it food like these snow peas. I was able to stand with him at the stove and help show him how we add these different vegetables at different times and how the ones that are denser and crunchier like a carrot take longer to cook than the ones that are lighter and more fragile like a snow pea. And so he was able to help me add them to the pot and to cook them. He was able to help me see had the water been absorbed in the rice. And I was able to take that time. I want to paint an accurate picture. I am a mom of three. My youngest is four and a half. This has taken me easily four and a half years to get back to this because for many years we were not in this season. So if you are not in this season, do not feel guilt or shame that these aren't experiences that you're doing on a daily, a weekly, or a monthly basis. But because this was a meal that did go well in my house and I saw how all these puzzle pieces 
did fit together and how I saw how this big box of puzzle pieces that almost 10 years ago as a new mom, I was so overwhelmed and had no idea how to put together. It's almost like giving a toddler a thousand piece puzzle and saying, good luck. That's how I felt then. But when I fed this meal to my kids and when I went through this process that I outlined so in depth within Mealtimes Made Easy Method, it was one of those moments that was reassuring to me that I now have the skills and the efficacy and the understanding of how everything goes together in a way that isn't causing me anxiety. It isn't making me have that uncertain feeling that makes me come to the table with an attitude that's intense or honestly upset before the meal's even begun. But instead, I was able to see how I could invest this time in advance of being at the table and in preparation of the meal to be really proactive to help promote those learning it foods. If you've listened to any of my former episodes, specifically the ones on the fruit and the veggies of the month, I talk a lot about this, how it's not as simple as just putting a new food in front of our child at the table and expecting that they're going to eat it. There are so many opportunities before that that we can and really should seize to help our kids feel more comfortable and more tolerant and more interested in these foods before they're ever expected to eat it. And that really takes us to the fourth and final step. Because one thing I haven't touched on yet that I'm assuming most of you had a little alarm go off to as I said it, was that the Levitt food being offered at this meal was dessert with dinner. It was a glass of milk with a Rice Krispie treat. Now I'll link to the episode that I've shared previously about offering dessert with dinner and the approach to this, but just in short to set your mind at ease, I want you to know that I keep the portion small and I expect that at least one of my three kids will probably eat the dessert first. But the reason why I bring up this at the beginning of going through step four is because it is when we are honest with those emotions that we feel, those fears that we just fight on a daily basis when it comes to feeding our kids, those insecurities that we wrestle with as adults, whether it be because we don't trust our child to know how to nourish their bodies, because we as adults are still wrestling with our own relationship with food. It's that mental side of things that so often steals, kills, and destroys our very ability to offer this amazing meal that we've just put the time and money into preparing and getting all the right ingredients for and making into a meal for our family that then is completely sabotaged and derailed. Because all the things this night had gone well up to the table. But if I hadn't taken this fourth and final step seriously before we actually began the meal, some of the thoughts that could have sabotage our experience at the table are things like, well, they're only going to eat the Rice Krispie Treat. Well, they hate all the food on the table anyways. They're going to be asking for a snack five minutes later. What's the point of even putting this meal together when I'm the only one eating it and it's just my son and my daughter here for dinner and neither of them even like this meal? All of those things are honest thoughts. And these are things that I encourage and I walk through with families within Mealtimes Made Easy at Method to be honest about because we all have those feelings, whether it be because of some past history our child has with extreme picky eating or some past issues we have with food insecurity or disordered eating or a whole host of different things. All of these thoughts, when we keep them in and we try and stuff them down, end up coming up and out in really ugly ways as we sit down at the table. And so Being honest about those emotions and coming forward with those thoughts for myself before the meal was really important because then I was able to address those things and to ask myself, how am I going to approach this then? Because yes, it's a Rice Krispie treat at dinner. And you know what? 
my youngest did eat it first. And yes, my oldest and my husband didn't get home from soccer practice until later. And so in theory, I was the only one really enjoying the actual meal itself at that time. But because I had been honest about this, and again, this is something that I've worked through for almost a decade now, and I've helped hundreds of different families work through, that this all comes very naturally to me now. But my hope and my goal, especially for families who go through Mealtimes Made Easy Method, is that this becomes just a new rhythm and routine. Physically, in terms of the tactical and practical to-dos that we have as moms of meal planning and meal prep and mealtimes and just that daily grind, but also in that mindset component and you know where our own relationships with food intersect that of our children and how that can redirect what our relationship with food as a family looks like for better or worse. And so that fourth step is, as, as you've gone through the, each of these steps, ask yourself, What are you questioning? What are you unsure about? What are you insecure about? What are you thinking your kids or your husband or your mother or your mother-in-law is going to look at you and say, oh, you've lost it. You're nuts. What are you thinking? Fill in the blank. Offering dessert with dinner. Giving them this meal that you know they've never eaten from. Putting all this effort into a meal that no one else is going to enjoy. What are those thoughts that are coming to mind? And address those. Because I can tell you, When I sat down at that table with my kids, I knew it was not their favorite meal and I was at peace about it because I knew I was doing my job. I had decided what, when, and where that meal was going to be offered. And when I sat down with my kids, I got to partner with them in the process of helping them learn to like new foods, like a Thai coconut chicken stir fry that wasn't yet their favorite. We were able to sit at the table and enjoy one another's company. We were able to laugh and engage. My kids played with and poked and had fun with the food that was on their plates, even the foods that they chose not to eat. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to give a play-by-play of the whole meal and how it went, but I think it's important for you to know it was pleasant. It was peaceful. It was positive. And ultimately, it was productive. While it's not really important if and what my kids even ate, I can tell you that steps of progress were made for each child with each given food. Because whether it was making a rice igloo in the shape that my son put it on his plate, or how he served me my chicken stir fry, and how he poked and touched and played with the veggies on his own plate, or how we made comparisons about how Rice Krispie treats and the Rice Krispies within them, and how it's similar and different to things like boiled rice or rice noodles. This created conversation and it created connection. And that is what I want for you and your family. So I hope that this walkthrough of how one of my husband and my favorite meals that my kids do not yet enjoy went for us. And I hope how you can see how this four-step process of going over what are your child's preferred foods, their love it, like it, learning it list, step one. Step two, be realistic about your time constraints or your abilities that you may have to prep, to cook, and to actually eat a given meal and modify the meal as you need to create shortcuts or to give yourself some time and space to cook in a slower fashion. Step three, think about how can you help your child progress in their steps to eating process? How can you help engage them to explore their learning it foods so that even if they're not eating those foods yet, it still feels like progress when you offer 
And step four, be honest with yourself and preferably with someone else about the emotions you face going into this meal, the things that make you bite your tongue at the meal. Be honest and upfront about those things. Bring those into the light and do something about them. Because whether it's something that frustrates you about your child or that you internally feel really insecure about yourself, these need to be addressed. They need to be worked through. And ultimately, they need to be overcome so that you and your family can find that sense of freedom and that sense of enjoying a family meal together, even when the food itself is not everyone's favorite. So I hope this snapshot at a family meal in my house was helpful to you because while I never want to paint this picture that everything is just hunky-dory perfect here because it's not, I do feel calm and confident about how we're putting the thousand piece puzzle together. And I want to help you also feel that sense of calm and confidence when you're building that picture of what it looks like to raise a healthy eater with a healthy relationship with food for your own family. And so the more that you allow me to come alongside you in this process, one, the greater honor it is for me, but the more transformation I know we can expect for you. So make sure to get on my upcoming wait list for the next open enrollment to Mealtimes Made Easy Method. All you need to do is go to veggiesandvirtue.com forward slash waitlist, and I will send you all the information and details you need before our summer session starts.